John Huntsman Sr. is a multi-billionaire who started a chemical company from scratch and grew it into a $12 billion enterprise. In his book, Winners Never Cheat, he said this, there are no moral shortcuts in the game of business or life. There are basically three kinds of people, the unsuccessful, the temporarily successful, and those who become and remain successful. The difference is character. This morning, we're talking about the character quality of integrity. And by definition, integrity means the quality of being honest, having strong moral principles, being morally upright. It's also used to describe being whole and undivided, just like an integer. If you remember back to math, that was a whole number, positive or negative, integrity. And a very simple, easy to remember definition is doing the right thing, even when no one else is watching. Integrity is so important in our character. This morning, as we continue our Genesis origin stories, we're in Genesis chapter 39. I invite you to turn there in your Bible. The Pew Bible in front of you is available as well. In this chapter, we find a young man whose integrity will be put to the test. As a teenager, he was forcefully removed from his home. He was sold as a slave by his own brothers. He was put to forced labor in a foreign country and then tempted repeatedly by his boss's wife. How will this young man respond to these situations? The choices we make every day build character and they show what's really going on in our hearts. Godly men and women show integrity. This morning as we're honoring dads and grads, this call for integrity is not just to look good so that other people see us and say, they're a good person, they have integrity. But the reason we're doing this is to reflect the character of our unchanging God, to bring glory to him by showing the world what he's like, and that is having a life of integrity. Let's start off reading the first couple of verses in Genesis, and then we're going to discuss them as we go. In case you didn't know who the young man was, here he is. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Joseph was purchased as a slave by Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. We're back a slide still for a while. 
all the way back. That's the one. Thank you. Potiphar was the captain of the Pharaoh's guard. That would be like today's secret service. This is an elevated position. He's making sure that the Pharaoh, not only the king, but their idea of God on earth was safe. And this was the man that purchased Joseph. As a slave, he could have been rowing a boat. He could have been stooped over in a field picking plants. He could have been shackled to a workstation and just made to push things around. He could have been doing anything. But in all of Egypt, he was elevated, even as a slave, to be in this household, the captain of the guard. This passage tells us that the Lord was with Joseph and he became successful. Joseph honored God in everything he did, even in slavery. Others, including his boss, noticed his work ethic. His master saw that the Lord was with him in all that he did, and everything he did succeeded as a result. We read a year ago in Colossians that whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. If you want to look that up later, it's Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do for the Lord. And if you feel like you're in a job that's like being a slave, people are just bossing you around telling you what to do, do it for the Lord, not for men. Not only is He watching, but you're showing honesty and integrity. You're putting in a good day's work, no matter what it is. And people will notice, but most importantly, God will notice. As a result, Potiphar made Joseph the overseer of his house and all that he had. We saw in this case that honest work was rewarded. Potiphar, an Egyptian leader, picked a slave from another country. Can you imagine that? It's not one of his own people that he's saying, I trust him more than anyone else. It's an Israelite brought in as a slave, and he said, I want you to make all the decisions for me. And as a result, the Lord blessed Potiphar's house. The covenant that God had made with the patriarchs of Israel, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Joseph's father, was being fulfilled. God said, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you, and through you all the world will be blessed. Anyone who comes in contact with godly people will be blessed because they're experiencing God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, and hopefully when we make the right choices, they're seeing God's character and they're benefiting from that. God blessed others through godly men who endeavored to obey and honor God. Potiphar had nothing to worry about, and Joseph was in charge of the entire household. Everything that happened in the fields, everything that happened in their compound, in their home, it was all under Joseph's care. And it said that all Potiphar had to think about was, what am I going to have for dinner? He had nothing to worry about. That's an amazing blessing. Usually with wealth comes so much concern for what you have that you're thinking about it all, all the time. How are my crops doing? How are my future crops doing? Is my 
family safe? Are my storehouses safe? Potiphar had nothing to worry about. So for Joseph, could it get any better? He's in this elevated position. He's living probably in good quarters as the head of the household. Well, instead of getting better, it got worse. Let's read on starting in verse 10, or 7, sorry. Actually, the pickup to 7. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. This is the same description that was given of Rachel. She was beautiful in form and appearance. And Potiphar's wife noticed While many dream of having the perfect body and great looks, it may come with a price. People may notice your looks more than who you are on the inside. Proverbs tells us that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but the woman or man who fears the Lord is to be praised. We know that God cares more about what's going on inside our hearts, but Joseph, in a sense, had the struggle of being too beautiful, too handsome. And that caused him a problem. It made it harder for him to do his job because Potiphar cast her eyes on him. She noticed him and kept noticing him, and she tried to seduce Joseph. How would he respond to this? He's a young man. We don't know if he's out of his teens yet, but he could have said... I've been betrayed and sold by my brothers. I'm a slave. Why not say yes? Don't I deserve a little pleasure in life? Look at this great position God's given me. Maybe he put me here to enjoy life to his fullest. He could also have said, well, Potiphar is my boss, and this is his wife who's also my boss, so I need to do whatever she tells me. He could have come up with all kinds of excuses to say yes. Maybe no one will know. We can keep this a secret. But instead, Joseph responded with integrity. He refused her advances. He chose to do the right thing when no one else was watching. He chose to honor and obey God rather than people. He chose to honor and obey God rather than his own passions. He's a young man. This is a tempting opportunity. And he said, no. He knew that his potential actions were sin against God. Situational ethics could make the best of what many would say was a life gone terribly wrong. But he chose 
integrity? His answer was, my master has given everything to me except you. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He's showing this Egyptian woman God's character. He's showing her what a honest, what a true life looks like. I'm not going to bend or break the rules anywhere. And as I read that description, he's given me everything but you. It reminded me of God's provision for Adam and Eve in the garden. He gave them a beautiful place to live. He gave them food and animals and plants and all the things that they could enjoy and said, there's one thing I don't want you to do. And that is the tree in the center of the garden. That's off limits. You can enjoy all of this. Stay away from that one tree. Joseph refused to take what was forbidden. He refused to disobey God. Joseph showed integrity. His wife, Potiphar's wife, continued to tempt Joseph day after day. He would not listen to her or even be with her. He removed himself from the temptation. My grandfather told me a story about a wealthy New England merchant in the 1800s. He had to travel quite a bit, so he decided to hire a driver for his carriage, his coach. So he's traveling up and down the coastline of New England, and there were many narrow roads that followed along the sea. There was a cliff on one side and a drop into the ocean, hugging the edge of the mountain on the side. The wealthy merchant looked for a driver. He wanted the best so that he wouldn't have to worry about getting to his appointments on time and getting home again. So he interviewed some men. The question he asked of each of the men was, how close can you get to the edge? How close to the drop-off can you drive? The first man said, I'm an excellent driver. If I trust my horses, I can get within a foot of the edge at moderate speed. Now, a foot sounds like a lot, but when you're sitting up on top of the carriage, you don't even see the edge within a foot. Think about driving through some of our narrow roads and just hoping your mirrors aren't going to hit somebody else's mirror. This man said, I can get within a foot. The second man, a young man, out to prove himself, to leave a mark on the world, said, I'm the best driver around. I can get within inches at full speed, and you'll arrive ahead of schedule. The third man said, I've been driving horses for many, many years. Wisely, he said, I would stay as far from the edge as I possibly can. We might even be delayed a bit, but I can assure you we will arrive safe and secure every time. The merchant hired the third man. The best way to avoid sin is to stay as far away as you can. It's not a question of how close can I get without committing sin. It's how far can I stay. In 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, a young man, So flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. 
His answer to Timothy was, flee temptation. Run away from it. No one is going to call you chicken. No one's going to worry about you being a scaredy cat. Just get out of there. When temptation brings up its ugly head, get out. Don't see how long you can remain faithful and strong. So today, what does that look like? Don't be secluded or alone with a person of the opposite sex. Whether you're a young person, whether you're an older person, whether you're married or single, stay out of trouble. Stay out of predicaments. Turn off the TV when temptation comes on. When you're having trouble with the internet, whether it's pornography or even just lusting after stuff, those ads that pop up over and over again, turn off your computer. Put your phone away. Put it somewhere else. Don't respond to taunts on Facebook, on Twitter, on Snapchat. When someone is just trying to get your goat, I don't even know what that means, but those of you that know the saying, someone's trying to bug you, right, and they're trying to get a rise out of you, and they say something or post something, whether it's to you or to the whole world, you can put it down and not respond. You don't have to. You can ignore that hurtful thing that they've said. Think about what you're going to say, how you're going to respond, if you need to, and make sure that you're following Ephesians, which is use your words to build up. Speak the truth in love, not to tear down. Young people, especially our graduates going off to college, flee temptation. No matter what age we are, flee temptation. Get away from it. Get out of the boiling pot before it's too late. Let's read on and see how Joseph responds to the next situation. Verses 11 to 18. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, none of the men of the house were there. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her house and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until her the master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant, whom you have brought among us, came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. Potiphar's wife didn't give up easily. She caught him alone when nobody else was around and then sprung the trap. Joseph not only ran away, he ran away leaving her cloak, his cloak or his outer garment still in her hands, which means she was pretty forceful. She didn't just say, come on over. She went over and grabbed him, and he ran out of there, leaving her holding his outer garment. Think about the last time his outer garment was stripped off him. 
His brothers removed his multicolored robe, the robe of honor. They stripped it off him and threw him into a pit. And here he is again being attacked by his boss's wife. And instead of just letting it go, she now turns it on him and uses this as an opportunity to really punish him. He has refused her advances. Her pride has been hurt. She's not getting what she wants. We've talked about idols before, right? What is it that you're not getting? She sinned in attacking him, and she sinned further by making up a story to get him in trouble. She told the men of the house, look, he's been here. You can see his coat is still here. He came in to take advantage of me, and then he ran away. And she held on to it as evidence to show her husband when he returned. How will Joseph respond to being falsely accused? Even when you know you're right, and you know that you've been falsely accused, God knows, and he's still in control. We don't need to worry. We don't need to try and build up a case to defend ourselves. We don't need to go out telling everybody what really happened. We can trust God. We don't have to doubt him or his goodness. We keep trusting him. In Romans 12:19, we read, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. As believers, we know that there is coming a reckoning day when every man, woman, and child will stand before God and answer for everything they've done. Believers don't stand at that judgment. Believers who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior have had their sins forgiven. And at the great white throne, they are welcomed in to heaven. But everyone else stands before Jesus as their judge and he brings up the books of all the things that they've done. And their punishment is not only eternal separation from God in hell, but they're punished for what they've done. God will re repay. Vengeance is God's, not ours. So how does Joseph respond? He leaves it in God's capable hands. I've trusted God this far. Can I trust him with this too? Can you imagine how long that was for him waiting until the master returned home? It would have been like when mom said, just wait till dad gets home from work. Then you're really going to get it. Does anybody remember sitting in their room feeling that fear? Or the times that I told my kids, you're not getting punished right now, but you're going to be punished later. We're in a store with all these people, but when you get home, we're going to talk about this. One of my super honest kids said, hey dad, when are you going to punish me? <laughs> wow! I'm so glad you reminded me of that. I almost forgot. That feeling of dread of how bad is this going to be? Joseph is waiting, but he's trusting God. Do I need to change mics? Let's read on. Verse 19. As soon as the master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. 
and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were with him in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Potiphar does arrive home, and this young man that he's entrusted everything, he immediately fires up anger and doesn't even ask Joseph's side of the story. A lot of people have wondered if he already knew that his wife had a wandering eye, but his response was quick, decisive, you're going to prison. Why would he send him to prison? What else could he have done? Anything he wanted. This is a slave that he bought. He could have killed him with his own hands. He was the captain of the guard. He could have pulled out a sword, which was probably on his side, and immediately did Joseph in, right? Could have killed him, but God watched over Joseph. Instead, he has him sent to prison. Is it the rowdy rabble prison? No, it's the king's prison where his special guards go. I'm sorry, the prison of the pharaoh. I'm using words that don't fit. The pharaoh's special prison where it's kind of like Federal penitentiary, it's where the national prisoners go. And what happens there? The warden notices Joseph. We saw how he responded as a slave, he did his best. And now we see how he responds in jail as a prisoner. He's a model prisoner. The warden notices him and said, here's a man that I'm going to put in charge a prisoner in charge of the prison. Why would he do that? God was with Joseph, and all that he did succeeded. And again, a man is blessed by coming into contact with a godly man of integrity. The warden had nothing to worry about because he left things in Joseph's hands. the warden could sleep peacefully at night with nothing to worry about, no effort on his part. The grace of God was poured out on this unbelieving Egyptian prison warden because of the integrity of a godly man who chose to continue to trust and obey God. Today we honored Father's we honored our new graduates, so I'm going to talk to them for a moment, but the rest of you are welcome to listen in. Fathers, you're leading your families. You are constantly being watched by your children, by your grandchildren, here at church, by other families. They're looking to see if you really believe all this church and God stuff. Those things that we talk about on Sunday, are they real? Do you live like you really believe it? That's what they're watching for. We continue to hear that young people are stopping 
going to church and they're deciding this religion stuff was good for my parents but it's not for me. Why is that? It's because they didn't see living faith in their parents. They didn't see living faith in the adults in their lives where they would say, I want that. Every single person is responsible to choose Christ as Savior. So I'm not putting that blame on you parents to say if your children walk away from church, it's your fault. But what kind of example, fathers, are you setting for your children? What kind of example are you setting for the people you work with, for the people in our community? The little things every day become the big things of, the, of tomorrow. As they see you at home, as people see you at work, at the ball field, at the club, do they see a man who trusts God and follows him no matter what? Can they count on your response to a situation based on what God would have you do? Or do they wonder, I wonder what he's going to do this time. Is he going to do the right thing? Choosing to honor God, choosing to obey him, this is integrity. Ask God to help you, fathers. Just as Joshua did. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day. I will serve the Lord. Graduates, just like Joseph, you're going to be leaving home, living in a far-off place. You'll be tempted by pleasure. You'll be tempted to cheat, to get good grades, to keep your scholarship. You'll be tempted to sleep in and skip class. You'll be tempted to just get by with okay grades. You'll be tempted to skip going to church. You'll be tempted to leave aside your Bible because people think it's weird that you're reading it. Choose to trust God and follow Him in the little things every day, even when no one else is watching. Be a man, a woman of integrity. Your godly character is built by the trials and temptations you face. Some of them you may give into, but as you learn to run from temptation, as you see God's faithfulness, you will continue to develop strength and backbone to obey and honor God with all of the choices today and tomorrow. We talked about Joseph several weeks ago being a type of Christ. Just like Joseph, Jesus Christ was tempted and didn't give in to sin. Unlike Joseph, Jesus was the perfect man, the Son of God, who could be tempted as a human, but as God, he could not sin. He wouldn't give in to sin. Like Joseph, Jesus was wrongly accused. And he didn't answer them back. He kept his mouth closed. He didn't make excuses. He didn't try to explain that they were lying. He trusted God. Unlike Joseph, Jesus was nailed to a cross. His outstretched arms 
unable to do anything to defend himself, who's nailed by his hands and his feet to a wooden cross and raised up as an example of someone who went against the authorities. As he died, he died for your sins, for my sins. And as he rose again, he rose victorious. He waited for God to exalt him, to lift him up. And he rose from the dead. Jesus Christ is seated as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And as we continue the story of Joseph, we will see that he would be exalted. Just as he dreamt of people bowing down to him, Joseph would have that come true. Jesus Christ will have every knee and every person bow before him and recognize him alone as King of kings and Lord of lords. He alone is worthy of honor and praise and glory. My question to all of us, all of you this morning, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? All of this talk about integrity, all of this talk about trying to live a godly life, it's not to gain God's favor. God's grace was giving us His Son, Jesus Christ, when we didn't deserve it. If you're ready to walk with Him for the rest of your life, come talk to me after the service. I would love to talk further with you, to pray with you, and see you become one of His children. James talked a number of times about trials and temptations. He told us that we can welcome them with joy because those trials and temptations develop godly character. That's what develops real integrity in our lives. Can you trust God? Can you honor Him with your choices today and tomorrow, knowing that everything you face is with God's permission? The trials in your life may be your own cause. You may have done something foolish to bring upon a difficulty in your life. How are you going to respond to that? But you may also be falsely accused of doing something and you're totally innocent. That trial, too, is waiting for your response. Am I going to honor God? Am I going to recognize this as an opportunity to grow and to show His character? It all comes down to the choices we make. How will you respond to life's challenges? Will you give in to self-pity and sin? Or will you show godly integrity and honor God in all you do? Choose you this day to trust and honor God. God bless you fathers. God bless you graduates. We're looking to you to show godly integrity. Mark's going to come. We're going to get ready to sing a closing song. Please bow with me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this example from the life of Joseph, a young man who's held up as an example for us to see, someone who lived out integrity, who responded to amazingly difficult situations in life, life and death situations, and he responded by trusting you, by obeying you, by honoring you with his decisions. Help us, Lord, as fathers to do that. Help our graduates to do that. Help everyone here this morning to choose a life of integrity. Not to make us to look good, but to show your amazing character. 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.